said that helped us. Yeah, how have you managed that mm-hmm. in the industry that we work with? Right. <laughs> I have to do an intro though. Oh. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're at the Malt House, and maybe it's best if you introduce yourself. Sure. Hello, I'm Naomi Rukavina. Um, I'm a Pisces. Ooh. Like long walks on the beach, casual at dinners. All of the usual. Hello. How are you doing? Thank you. Good. Um, it's also a place that I work at a bit, so that might happen. Yeah. Maybe I'll hold a microphone, sure. and that'll be a prop to people. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. To let them know that I I'm very busy in. and important, <laughs> which is a lie. But you know. uh, yeah. Why do you have time to meet me? Because you're not busy. Because I busted my knee. <sighs> yeah. Uh, because I'm not busy. Because I busted my knee. Yeah in the last show and now I need time to recover I did do the last show with the busted knee but you know that's hard but now it's better to fix it instead of keep going why is it so does everyone call you by your first name or last name well two for two so two far two so far but no ra- lots of random names I get Coco I get people that just are fans and know you from Facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that did happen because it's not a drum school. Coco Brown was my, my alter ego. I don't really know why or how. Probably it's my colour. In the why. drag circuit. In the drag circuit yeah. of, of VCA. Yes. I don't um, And my very good friend at drum school, uh, the raucous redhead, was Lady Danger Red. So that was pretty innocent beginnings. Mm. And it stuck. Mm. So Coco still gets around. Funnily enough, I've always hated my last name because it was long and I had to spell it all the time. And yet, people call me Rukavina, Rukavines, Rookbags, Rukova, random variations of my very long surname often. It's a sign of endearment. It is. I like it. In Australia, to shorten the long names and lengthen the short names. It's the best. Revel in them. It's very good. I'm going to switch to Mike. Oh, okay. Just because people seem to want to hang out with us close to us. Yeah. Is it because we're famous and popular? I hope that it's. I mean, that's that. logical. All right. Um, what are you into? Rook, rook bags. <laughs> oh, rook bags. Rook bags. It's gonna go. Uh, I'm into oh, aesthetics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like beauty. I like, I like beautiful practicality. Mm. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I like. So I like all the stuff you need accessible, but in a nice way. Yeah, because if it's not accessible to your eyes in a nice way, then it's still not accessible. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like fun out of the mundane how do you facilitate that to happen so let's say i have a boring task of going to the chemist no very boring i'll be like hey matt want to come to the chemist with me and then when i go to the chemist and i put in my thingy whatever i'm doing i go hey let's look at all the 
whatevers. And then we look at all the whatevers. And that boring task turns usually into like a one-hour adventure yeah. of something way more fun. Yeah. It's very good. It's quite easy. It seems like to be into aesthetics and into function and into how they facilitate each other and interact with your lived experience means actually you're into things being considered. Yes. Considered is a very good word. Correct. And I'm also into, you know, I don't want to use the word organic because, God, that's been overused in the last decade. because it just means without pesticides. (laughs) True. Also... There's a new term called true-ganic because apparently the organic certificate is too easy to get. Now? Yeah, now. And so true-ganic is supposed to be more... uh, yeah, hard to, more hoops to jump through. Uh, I'm I'm actually thinking of it in the pesticide-free version is great, but I'm thinking of it in the um, easeful nature of something coming about, like a not constructed thing being organic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I learned a wonderful thing from my design teacher when I was at design school. What's her name? Yvette van der Merwe, yeah. Dutch. Yeah. Dutchies can teach you some things. Oh, really? Yeah, staunch, right. but very good. <laughs> very staunch. Very good. Uh, and she'd, like, kind of blindside you. She'd be like, this is your task. And we'd be like, oh, God, how do I make that happen? Mm. And then she'd be like, yeah, yeah, great. So we're going to do this thing, which was pretty much completely unrelated. Okay. Um, so, for example, this cup. She's like, great, so we're going to design a cup. Here's the cup. Um, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, like what, the 100 million cups that are already designed and I'm supposed to make something new and better and gooder gooder yeah. Than that, I don't even know where to begin. She's like, okay, great. So before that, we're going to do uh, bring in your favourite scuff. Bring that in. Great. So you bring in your favourite scarf. And then we end up talking about our favourite whatever, why it's our favourite, what the things are that you like it. And, you know, I go, oh, I like that there's really coarse stitching on the outside. Or I like that there's two different different major patterns in it. I like that um, it's soft, it's worn well, whatever. You know, we start talking about something that's unrelated. And very sneakily, we'll then have another talk about something else, and then another talk about something else, and then she'll weave all of that information back to the cup. She'll be like, great, so your cup's going to have two different tones on it. Your cup is going to be of an organic shape, because that's the thing you like about the first thing we talked about. It's going to be embellished with X, Y, Z, because you talked about very sneaky. I like that. I like that very much. Do you have that superpower? Can you do now it? Now I really have been building that into my life. How do you apply it? Where do you apply it? So I've got a job at St. Martin's Youth Theatre, newly. I've done, had my second class. My third class will be this week. Um, and I'm coaching the teens. I'm not a teacher. I'll tell you that for free right now. And I for, t- free. for free? For <laughs> free. Zero dollars for that info for you. Wow. I said that to them on their first day. I was like, guys, I am not a teacher. I am not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I'm an actor. If you've got acting questions, ask me them, and I will 
help you do them. Mm. And they were like, yes. I was like, great. That was stressful. So essentially now they're like, we like scripts. I was like, excellent. We all love scripts. Who doesn't love scripts? I turned up to class last week and I was like, great. Storytelling. They're like, what about the scripts? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. So I made them stand up and give a chat to camera. Oh. So I'm like, so what's a judge camera? Every audition you go to, you'll do the part, and then they're going to get you to say your name, maybe your agent, how old you are. Um, generally, they ask you some obscure thing, like tell a joke, or uh, what's the last fun thing you did, or you know, some life question, and go. I've got a minute, two minutes. And no one prepares you for that skill about speaking concisely about yourself and being very charming in a really small amount of time. So the first things the kids did were like, um, oh, um, oh, uh, well, um, looking at the ground, playing with their clothes, touching their hair, swiveling around. It's like, cool. So we did all that one week. The next week, we're went back. I was like, great, we're going to touch cameras again and got them to like say a dumb superhero power. Mm. Like a silly thing. They name their age. They're like, so let's have a look at what people do. It's like, all right. Let's just note they did that. They're like, oh, a lot of people said, um, a lot of people play with their clothes. A lot of people look to the ground. I was like, excellent. Let's not do that. They're like, great. So they do that. And I'm like, cool. So when you tell a story, and you've got to tell it to someone, what happens if you look at the ground and play with your clothes? Like, they kind of don't listen anymore, right? They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So I started telling them about storytelling. It's like, so when you write your script, that is you telling a story, how do you have to get your information across? And then got it back to their chat to camera. So that was a very long version of what I did. There you go. Is that just built into your, like when you do it as well, when you're dealing with uh, relationships? Nah. <laughs> nah, I've you're straight up now. through the wall. Yeah, the yeah. Wall. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say a thing to your face. It's easier. It is. But you got to somehow still work out what you want them to hear and how to say it so that the way they he- will hear it is what you want them to hear. Because just saying what you want to say is not necessarily them hearing what you need them to hear. Yeah. You know what I've learnt in the last year? Is that I have essentially only ever been around personalities like mine until really about a year ago. (laughs) I trained with people that have the same personality type. I went to school with people with the same personality type. I went to uni with the same personality type. I mean, in an industry where the personality type is generally extroverted, there are introverts, but they turn that off really easily because of the job. And so when I've met people in life that I need to be kind of way more gentle with than direct because they may not necessarily receive the message otherwise I don't know what to do it's been really hard I'm like 
What do you mean you're not the same, though? I stupidly, naively, just thought, oh, yeah, but introvert, that just means that you're like me, but quieter. Not that you have a completely different way of being in the world. How did I not know that? I am in my 30s. What? I really missed a major something. Are there other things like that that you feel like you really missed until you got to your 30s? Yes. <laughs> like what? Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, maybe not to my 30s, but definitely my 20s. Yeah. I don't know things about boys. I never grew up with a dad uh-huh. or siblings. Yeah. How do you buy a present for a man? Buy something for yourself and you wear it for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I don't know that. I I'm don't just know going that. Off like American sitcoms. Oh uh, yeah, because that's obviously excellent reference. Uh, yeah, like it's easy buy a present for someone of the opposite sex and mm. I didn't know how to do that mm. that's a pretty basic life thing right yeah I swore off presents for about a decade no 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 I know what? I know why because I wanted time I wanted your time I didn't want your gift very good and I wanted you to want my time not my gift yeah and I wanted to spend the time that it would take me to make the money and the time that it would take me to find the gift. I wanted to spend all of those times with you instead. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I want that. See, but I want that. I want that present. <laughs> okay. Give me that present. <laughs> and just recently, it's, cha- it's, uh, it's changed a little bit, but more so that when I see something accidentally that ignites my... Uh, my memory of how much I love this person as a friend or a sibling or an aunt, whatever it is if I see something that makes me think that it's going to make them happy then I will get it but I won't go looking for it yeah that's nice too yeah. oh, I like that so as something well about that. but what that means is that you're constantly you're carrying these people with you through your life and you're seeing the world not just what do I like, but what would, what would that person like? What would that person see with that thing? Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so my favorite presents yeah. are, well, what I've always asked for from my significant other over the many, many years has been that always be like, oh, what do you want for whatever, birthday, Christmas? Occasion. What, occasion. For thing. And same thing every year. A I want, screwdriver. Correct. Uh, I want a screw and to be driven around. Um, No, 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 no. (laughs) But yes, I want that too. I would say I want stolen flowers and a love letter. I, like, have this romantic notion in my head of, like, you know, wildflowers picked from the side of the road or flowers overhanging a fence line that you, like, off the nature So what happens when you do that in Glebe in Sydney is that old white people take photos of you and your licence plate while you're stealing their flowers. No! Yeah! What is wrong? Three years ago. (gasps) No! Happened to me. And then you went to prison. I didn't go to prison. I think they... I don't know what happened. The police went, this is not a thing. Stop bothering us, Mrs. Hessington. <laughs> I don't know. 
it was just a real like a real moment where I'd taken some scissors because I didn't have secateurs and I'd achieved to the found to the and acquired and I was getting back in my car with all these <laughs> for a birthday flower gift and yeah some people just came out into the alley at the right time and saw me yeah so what you do is you put on your cutest smile and you go and knock on mrs hessington's door and be like hi um my name's blah blah i live around the corner and i admire your flowers all the time it's actually my blah blah's birthday and i was wondering would you mind if i just nipped one of them because i just think they're so beautiful and they'd be like Yes, young man, you are just divine. Please, please have some flowers. You know what? Politeness goes a really long way. Oh, yeah. And asking for stuff, because people don't really ask for stuff anymore, Mm. for strangers. It's pretty easy. Worst case scenario, they're going to say no. And then you come back in the dark? Correct. (laughs) And then you come back in the cover of night. How How do you make a call in a situation where the... You need to charge through and stand up and be the, like the woman in charge mm. and stick your authority, or to be polite and intuit how to ask and when to ask, so that they think it's their idea. In what scenario? In well, let's start professionally. Oh yeah, I always ask. Right. Always, I'm the person that asks all of the questions. Okay. And I think for years I felt like I wasn't smart enough. I just didn't feel clever. So I was really quiet. And that's not better. Because people would be like, you can just come up with things on your own. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, no. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't think so because you'll all know that I'm a fraud. Yeah. Um, and then it's when that happens to you and I you're doing something with someone else who then doesn't speak and doesn't ask and doesn't really contribute it's really frustrating and I'd be like I don't care if you ask me something that is seemingly the dumbest thing that's ever happened in the whole world Mm. it is fine Mm, because it's the exchange where things will become correct yeah so then I just I've been asking things and I still feel dumb a lot of the time truly and I just say I'm really sorry I don't feel very smart um, and I'm probably going to ask heaps of dumb questions and I am now aware that in turn that is in the new annoying thing oh, that yeah. I'm going to have to get over so annoying I know God, should I go I'm going to go okay but I'll come okay <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I just ask things okay and then when I yeah, when do you have to put your foot down? When has there been a situation where you're like, hang on? I also do that. Yeah. All the time. But and how? the thing and is when? I've learned to be really malleable. Uh-huh. So I'll be like, yeah, hang on. This doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? I seem to ask why a lot of the time. What does this mean? Why would they do that? What are we trying to achieve? Like, yeah. what's the purpose of this choice? Yeah. And then we'll have a conversation. And I'll be like... Yeah, but that doesn't make sense because of this thing, this thing, and this thing, and this thing. These are my reasons. Now put forward your case. And then the other person will say, yeah, because of this, this, and this. And then I'll go, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. Yep, yep, fine. Mm. And then I'll do the thing. Or I'll be like, well, no, because what about blah, blah, and blah? And they'll be like, oh, uh, 
oh, I guess. Really? Does it not make him like, I don't I mean, I don't know what that means. That's fine. I mean, and then ultimately it depends on who's the director. Yeah. It's not me, so I yield. But, but I have no problem in going, I don't think that's a thing. Mm. So both of them and all of the time is how I live in the world now. <laughs> or maybe always. No, now. Now. Now in my 30s I do that. In my 20s I was... I didn't do that. I think socially I was very robust, but professionally I was quite timid. Mm. Although people tend to think that I'm very frightening often. I hate it. hate it. People are like, oh, Doing that's just so intimidating. Definitely not anymore. <laughs> Baby got fat. No, no. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe mm. it's my physique. Maybe it's, I don't know, a resting bitch face. Maybe it's because I was Try. quiet. Just rest. Just relax. No. See, I'm lovely. I'm not mean. I'm really kind. All I want to do is feed people. Have you had... Can you remember a time when you've had, a, like, a real breakthrough moment professionally? Like, I remember a time when some shit went down and I wasn't yet ready to be the one that stood up and called bullshit on the whole event. Yeah. And somebody else was, and then heaps of other shit fell into place. Hmm. Yes. What happened? <laughs> Sorry to dredge it up. <laughs> uh, there's a company we, we were working for, a group of people, and they wanted us to film some stuff of the show in a rest period. They're like, oh, we'll just quickly film some scenes of the show. And we were like, really? But that's kind of our break time between the shows. And also, I think that's a whole separate kettle of fish, you know? And also, it was a really hard work. It wasn't light. It was really hard, heavy. You had to get to, to an emotional place. And they wanted scenes from, like, this part and then another scene from, like, another part of the show. And to get there wasn't super simple. And in no flow and no, you know, order. And I was, they were quite intimidating. The, the head of the company was very intimidating. They're like, oh, we'll just do this and would under, underplay it a lot. And I felt, mostly it was me because I was the lead and I was like, I am not, I don't want to do that. That is a lot. And also this really doesn't feel right. But I felt really strong-armed about it, and I kind of went to appear and was like, how do you feel about this? And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, I guess, because you feel strong-armed into something. And then I, I kind of was the one that rallied the troops, so to speak, and really got, like, a download. A detriment of feeling like you can lose your job or get bad-mouthed about or whatever, you know, become that difficult actor. Um, all of the things, also the, a difficult female actor, which is even worse. So you're some sort of, like, you know, harpy or something. But I was like, I'm not okay with it. I 
don't think we should be taken advantage of in such a way. So I spoke to everyone. And also difficult because some were personally more friendly with said director. And, you know, and that's hard. You don't want to alienate yourself. And then I kind of got onto my agent and talked about it and got onto the union. Like, it went really escalated for this tiny thing that you could have just gone, oh, I'll just do it, whatever, and I'll just cop it and be tired and whatever else. I think that was the first time I really stood up for myself and was like, no, I'm worth more than that. Ended up that definitely not kosher, definitely not okay to, to do have done it or to do it like in terms of the breaks, in terms of pay, that was like a whole separate thing that was like, that's not a thing actually. Mm. And you can't, it was going to be promotional material, it was going to be this whole other thing. And I was like, you know what? Well done me. I, I did. I really, I gave myself yeah. a little pat but on the back. But you don't know that at the time. You don't, hey. You don't. And I mean, this industry is so much for like, oh, can you just do this little thing for me? Like this little it's just a little it's just a little yeah. 10 hours of your time it's and also the the job of the person on the outside is they get to stay in their pedestrian composed self and the person on the inside is compromised physically and emotionally absolutely and then somehow still needs to meet yeah that other person who is not yeah and, you know, I feel like the biggest part of that was actually the person on the outside is supposed to protect the person on the inside. Yes. Not do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Like, uh, a personal relationship that had gone through some really tough times earlier, a few years earlier, had taught me to be robust. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? I've stood up for myself for way more than this. I don't care what you think of me because mm. you're just someone at work. Mm. And yes, mm. that's important. And yes, that has quite a large bearing on my life. But I think when I had some really big um, things happen in a personal sense that was like, oh, well, I know what it's like to not have money and also not have home or feeling good personally all the time, just the consequence was less. Yeah. Still wasn't nice. I'll tell you that for free as well. Wasn't nice. Don't <laughs> don't do it, but don't not do it, you know? Don't not do it because it's not gonna be nice. What about on the, what about a one where it was a like for positive yeah yeah mm. <laughs> when you're like you did this thing you didn't know if that was the right thing to do but then when you did it it didn't just save from more damage being done but it, it made like, it better yeah I think maybe a project I worked on this year mm. you know I said I was quite professionally timid for agents I think speaking up and being like hey what about whatever when you feel like, oh, but it'll be bad if I say something, oh my God, don't say it. And then you do. And then it, you can feel someone's opinion of you heighten and then be like, 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's, let's try that crazy thing. And we had this really great uh, vocab that we started in this show that <laughs> we just couch everything with, okay, controversial. <laughs> what do you think what about, about this? And it was, everyone was like, yeah, 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 great. And, and, and I mean, that was so joyous to mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. to be on because if you didn't ever bring anything up, it could have kept like the little nucleus of the project would have stayed really small. Yeah, it could have kept fine. Right, fine, but it never would have just kind of gone poof yeah. and exploded out into this really yeah. great. How do you how do you make sure that that happens? Or how do you facilitate that that hap- like that the system is in place for that to happen, not just that each individual needs to be super robust and resilient. Cultivate relationships yeah. that are not directly related with what you're doing. So I think. You know, maybe it's the the old cup scarf scenario. You know, like maybe uh-huh. though. Oh yeah, we're working on a project. So this is a very professional cup that yes. we've got going on. Yes. But we also have random jokes personally, and don't when we don't talk about work things. And you have a nice relationship with someone that maybe you're working with on that project that's outside of directly work related things. So when you build your own little life language maybe that um, gives you the opportunity to be really open Mm. and for them to be open with you and to know that it's not shrouded in a criticism or in a heightened tension that it's just like I'm just going to say random things to you and they also know that my personality is that exact thing that I will like derail and talk about some other stupid thing and then I'll get back to what I mean eventually I think that's the way. I also need to accept myself that I'm just a lot. I'm a lot. I'm a big personality. And I know. But also, for years, I was like, oh, I just need to be more quiet or calm and timid and shush and all of that. Yeah, which I imagine comes from being considerate. Like... along with everything else is being considerate of the people you're sharing your space with when you're carrying this idea that you're a massive um, dent on the room (laughs) and the energy that would otherwise be there. But I wonder how you balance... This is what I wonder, how to not... How to not... um, make your flame smaller but light all the other flames up. Right. So that everything's warmer and then catch on fire. <laughs> okay, you know what I'd love? Nah. Well, I love when you when you see someone, you meet you meet your friend, yes. and it can go one of two ways. You'd be like, "Hey, Matt, nice to see you. How are you? Gosh, it's been so long, hasn't it? What's news? Great, lovely, lovely. Fine, or but it nothing. Could also, be walk through the door and be like. Oh, hello. I see you. I know you. I know you. I know you. Hi. Give me a humongous hug. Yeah. You know that little bit extra thing when someone does that to you, how good it makes you feel? Mm. Which is why we have pet dogs. Right. Because dogs are the best. Because they they always make you feel like that. Always. Essentially, I'm the dog. (laughs) 
I love that feeling of making people get really like you see their little eye go oh I wasn't (laughs) expecting that really extra Mm. hello extra Mm. idea extra enthusiasm extra whatever Mm. because that's how I like to be treated because it makes me feel really nice when someone you know gives you a a disproportionately large hello it's great (laughs) and then I imagine there's people that you'd you'd want to do it for and don't want to do it for no I want to do it for all the people because even the people that are not used to that you can see something in their face be like oh that was really nice and not once has that gone wrong not once not once ever even to strangers who I've met you know, I could walk into a room and hug four of my friends and there'll be one random that I've never met and they'll be like, oh, this is Johnny. And I'll be like, hi, Johnny, nice to meet you. And they'll be like, oh, yes, go and put their hand forward. I'll be like, oh, no, no, we're not doing that. I've hugged everyone else. I can't not hug you. What, are you going to be the no-hug guy? You don't want to be the no-hug guy. Give me a hug. And Johnny will be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'll be the hugger too. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's so nice. And be like, yeah, see, Johnny felt included. And that's better for me. Yeah, it means that you have to be living in this realm of not waiting for people to um, prove that they're worthy of your love, but love. Yeah. And then just pick up the pieces if you're wrong later on. Absolutely. People don't need to prove they're worthy. Are you kidding? It's always a surprise when someone does something that's a bit shit. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit shit. Huh, I probably should have not be surprised by that but I'm always surprised I'm the mm. puppy I'm mm. always surprised it's dumb but it's honestly that's my state of being I'm always surprised when I get disappointed by someone or you know something goes badly I'm like oh, why why did that go what happened then mm. I think maybe we're a bit conditioned now to be so on guard and I'm not saying that's wrong. I actually think it is good, but I'm too and I'm too far the other way. Yeah. Or maybe I'm trying to compensate because people think I look terrifying for some reason. My abs are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I remember um, needing a jump start for my car, and this guy pulled over, but he wanted to charge me money to ju- to give me a jump start because no, he was like but... with a towing company oh, yeah. but he was there to tow someone else who was going to be paying him and it wasn't going to co- and I thought that's a bit shit that is a bit shit and then so I just I, like, I was so appalled at the idea that you could give something away for free but you were going to charge for it that I just didn't. I just stayed on the side of the road for another 10 minutes. I would And have a done different that guy too. came along. And who did and it And jump-started me. And we had a great chat. See? It costs nothing to be nice. Yeah, jump-start guy. <laughs> um, can you tell me about the, like, the most prestigious thing that you've done professionally, but then actually the most fulfilling? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and maybe they're the same and maybe they're not the same. Oh, yeah, sure. So um, we had a show that we did this year, co-pro with Malthouse and STC, and it was in the Opera House. It's Damn. pretty fancy. It's pretty fancy. You know, it's on Nemo. Mate, my giant head was all over the promotional material. It was all (laughs) over the back of buses and shit. Yeah, buses, taxis at the airport, thirty foot drops in the QVB building. Yeah, do you get to keep that thirty foot drop? 
I I don't have anywhere to pang that though, you know. I, if I had a 30-foot ceiling... If you had, like, those, oh. those staircase, like in A Sound of Music Dude, or whatever... I'd be like, and that's and me, that's me and my giant welcome. face. <laughs> oh, welcome to my humble home. Oh, come in. Oh, don't mind the artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> I did get a poster, but it's just oh, okay. a small poster. Oh, okay. <laughs> but humble. it was all over Circular Key. It was, oh. it was everywhere. Everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm everywhere. It is so fancy. Um, it was prestigious. I had people, strangers, being like, excuse me, are you in the play at the Opera House? Because they saw a poster and then I was walking around Circular Quay in my break or at the museum or they'd just seen the show randomly and they were like, excuse me, are you in the... And I'd be like, oh, yes, hi. Or <laughs> every night Liam and I'd get on the bus two of us, our faces but on the bus. sometimes had your faces on the bus. Yeah, we're on like, the bus and we're me. also getting on the bus. <laughs> people would be like, look at us and be like, uh, um, are you, um, and they'd look at the bus and they'd look at us getting on the bus and then you could see them being like, why are you on what? the bus if you're on the bus? And be like, oh honey, we are just not rich though. <laughs> but the prestige that went along was immense. Mm. It was immense. It was really, like, I felt fancy. Don't get me wrong. I felt fancy. Um, and it was great. It was a great show. And the cast was wonderful. And everything was wonderful. There was nothing bad about it at all. But the most heartwarming thing I've ever done? There are two. Okay. Equal. Both were tiny, tiny, tiny things. One was for... Both of these directors have 100% made me the actor that I am. The credit is theirs. Um, Marcel Dorney, who has a company called Elbow Room that I have done about seven shows with, I think. Like, I worked with him when I was at drum school. He was studying direction. I did his master's project. And he, we worked a lot together during drum school because I was quite closed for all those times. I was really timid. And he was so encouraging, but it was kind of because I was a bit too hard at drum school. I was the teachers would be like, great, so you're going to jump 10 feet. And, you know, other people would be like, yes. And I'd be like, why? And they'd be like, just do it. And I'd be like, yeah, but why? And they'd be like, ugh, too hard. Go over there. And so I was a bit too hard basket. So I often didn't work, spend a lot of time with them. So I would get the assistant director a lot. So I worked with Marcel a lot. Um, but I never really believed him when he was like, oh, you're really great, you're really great. I'd be like, yeah, 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 thanks. Until I'd graduated and he called me out of the blue and was like, so I've got a thing and I've written it for you. And I was like, what do you mean, though? <laughs> you can I actually said to him, like, you can choose anyone, you know that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, what do you mean? But I want you, but I wrote it for you. And I was like, oh, my God, you really do think I'm good. It's the first time I believed him, first time. And that show was Cassandra. It's like a, you know, a, a story he wrote, a spin-off story from Cassandra from the Iliad Greek mythology and it was so like the nurture the growth the kind of camaraderie in the ensemble was changing it was absolutely 
the catalyst for understanding what a team could be like. So that. And then that tough experience I told you about before, about kind of feeling bullied with a company I worked for, um, it was, maybe, I don't know if I made it sound as bad as it was, but I but I uh, was like, I'm done, I'm out, it's too hard, this is too hard. It was really bullied hectically yeah. in that project. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're lucky to know that this is not the way that it needs to be as well. Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. And again, hey, another thing I learned in my 30s, didn't realise that's what your work environment could, could be like. Found that out for the first time and was like, this is the worst yeah. I did not know this could happen. And if you get there first, you also don't know that it could be anything else. Right? And that could destroy you. Yeah. I was just, I was like, I'm actually going to look for a new career. I don't want to do this anymore. I was broken, broken. And I was grown in my 30s. And I was a broken human, you know. I remember my mother, going to my mother's house and her being like, what's wrong with you? I'd be like, I'm fine. Can you just help me? You know, I couldn't learn these lines lines are the least of your issues and I just couldn't get them in my head I was just like had this really huge block and she's you know my mum's my mum has probably read every single script I've ever done since I was about eight like she knows how I work she's she's all over it she's like what's going on with you I was like can you just help me please I'm not interested in you critiquing just help me she was like okay and then you know it's been ages at her place and just struggling struggling and then would go to leave and on one of the days I just broke just burst into tears and she's like what is going on and I told her about what was happening at work and my mom, so my mum is quite conservative and you know when someone <laughs> who doesn't usually swear swears and it sounds like a foreign language coming out of their mouth it is just all too proper and just not the the syntax is wrong the like the the weight of where the I mean it's just it's yeah. hilarious it's funny it's like someone it's, going for the high note and the Celine Dion song right? they can't reach it yeah. but the, you can see the, the passion <laughs> is still there so my mum did a Celine Dion with yeah. the swears yeah. and she was furious she yeah. was furious at that that's what was happening and I was like mum I just don't want to do it anymore it's too hard and she just, you know, she's like, <laughs> she wanted to, like, find industrial action to really fix it. And, I mean, that's a whole other thing in the industry that kind of doesn't really exist. Anyway, that's another topic. But um, I wanted to, I was like, it's too much, I'm done. And I was going to throw in the towel. And uh, Richard Murphy, who is the other director, um, had this... Again, he was at VCA when I was at VCA. He's the most amazing practitioner ever. He's he's very nurturing. I think maybe that's the thing I've really uh, got a lot from the two directors I've loved heaps. They've been really nurturing directors. Like, it's a skill to direct someone. It's a skill to be able to phrase something in a different way every time if someone doesn't understand what that you're asking them to do it's a real skill to be able to be to drive the ship and not show that there's anything going on in the engine room um it's a skill to have a vision but not ram it down people's throats all of those things like directing is it's hard work and you're not a director just because you say oh i'm a director 
I could do that. Yeah, can you though? Um, and I did a project with Richard at La Mama called Quick Death, Slow Love. Two different, two different plays. And they were sheer joy. The first one was um, Quick Death about a man who essentially dies over and over and over and over again. And we said it in... Uh, it was kind of like film noir, but on stage. Awesome. And the mum was so tiny, and the set was so great. It was like this really dark, moody all super dark and this like dirty little dungeon he keeps going in and he keeps getting shot and he keeps trying to shoot people and he like dies over and over like Groundhog Day but it was so fun Mm. and I got to play the head gangster which was sweet it was so good I was like "Mm, I'm so badass (laughs) it was really fun and then the second one um, Slow Love was a love story and again it was film film noir on stage it was like soft muted colors and you know with lots of blinds work you know like venetians and shadows cast and like holds and turns and it was so beautiful and i got to play the ingenue which i'm never cast as because it's not my look you know i'm not blonde and blue-eyed and like you know i am not this is no one knows that no one knows that i'm not and they're listening you know the gangster i think they that's more yeah sure but yeah, I'm never cast as the ingenue. And he was like, great, so you're, you'll be the heroine. And I was like, what? And the opening to that show was so great. It's like, there's a little round cafe table, red rose in a vase, um, two bistro chairs. There's like a flat that has two windows with Venetian blinds in it. Like the whole thing's a peachy glow and some soft greens on the floor. And the music starts. And then I come around the corner in, like, my little ballet flats, all very, like, off we are in somewhere in Provence. And I turn the corner and I'm like, (gasps) this wide-eyed glow. And I look around and I'm waiting for my lover to arrive. And it was just sheer joy. And the love that Richard brought, I think, he coaxed me back and be like, don't forget that this is your job. Mm. So... I mean, La Mama sits, like, 12 people, maybe 16, maybe 20. I don't know. It's not many people. It's, it's an extended family. It, it's it's your family. One extended family, yeah, right. It's not even extended. <laughs> <laughs> it seats one person. No one came. <laughs> no, they did. It was wonderful. But, yeah, that's my biggest heart project, hmm. those ones. What So pretty interesting when you're like oh this is my job this is what i do but what is that what's my job what is your job oh yeah i didn't say that did i but i'm an actor (laughs) i'm an actor (laughs) um i act things for money (laughs) so then what is your job when you're generating i've been really fortunate i've been in constant employment. Yeah. Um, for the last two years, I haven't had to have another job, which is crazy. Oh, so I mean, like when you're when you're doing the job that yeah. has the title of being an actor. Yes. What is that? Oh, 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 mate! When you find out, can you let me know? I just mean like. 
if you're doing the job of being a mechanic, yes, then there's lots of lots of things that you do. Yes, I Mostly what you do is listen because something if something's going wrong, it's making a sound that it shouldn't be making. Yeah. And so your ears are as attuned as an audio technician in a sound recording studio, but just for different things. And then you work it out from there. But I wonder, like on that level, what is your job as... You know, I think maybe for me, because of my process, my job is to revisit. Hmm. So, you know when someone tells you the story of something that happened and they like, oh, the funniest thing happened. And before they can tell you, they're already like... <gasps> They're back in their head and they're laughing about it, yeah. playing get the words out. Yeah. When they revisit it themselves, yeah, yeah. the way that it comes out to you yeah. huh. is different than if they just tell you a story. Yes. Because it kind of comes out flatlined. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I love people watching. It is one of my favorite pastimes. I can sit in the window of a cafe and just watch the way people walk. Or eat a thing, eating a thing. Oh, mate, eating a thing. It is so good. You're like, what are you even doing with that sausage roll, though? Just put it. it why would you? Who? I mean, you don't hold it like that. So, okay. So, all of the people watching is the best. And somehow, over the years, I've managed to store that away in my little brain hole somewhere. And so, then, when I have to make a character, let's say, I'd be like, oh, I know, I know, I know. They're gonna I've walk. seen this before. I've seen this guy. Uh, this uh, guy's uh. going to do this thing. Uh. Great. And then in the script, if they go through an experience, I go, is that experience in my little, my head cave? Mm. And I go, oh, what about the time when blah, blah happened? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I revisit it. And then you go, okay, so if I'm going to tell you about that with these words that someone else has written down, I can use the words, but I can also use the thing that I've been through to show you what that is, feels like. I think that's what I do. I think that's my thing. That's my process. I'm not into method. I'm not going to try and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to live in a crackdown if I'm going to play a crack whore because that's crazy. That's crazy. That's how actors die. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, and maybe if you can act, you don't need to... Yeah. But, sure, I get, like, having the experience thing. I get it. And then you just be truthful. And the listening, you know, the listening's pretty good. Mm. We should all listen more. You listen when someone tells you something, and then you just respond instead of already have your, your thing ready to go. It doesn't matter what someone else says. And you're like, yeah, but I've got this thing ready. It's like... Yeah, or be malleable. Because it's better. Mm. Is that... Well, the thing that really excites me about revisiting is that it's finally a different way for me to think about this thing that I've been thinking about for a few years, about um, memory and imagination being the exact same thing. Yeah. Because as you remember something, you have to imagine it. Yeah. And that recreates it. But it also changes. And it also changes it, which means you remember means something it is it. usually never actually how yeah. it was. No. Ever. It can't be. Or if we have the same experience, the same if we both like 
walked down the, the same street. experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're walking down the street, and then the car came past, and the dog ran out, and the car had to stop, and then the lady got the dog, and it was all very happy. My memory of that will be will be different to your memory of that because we will notice different things or be like, yeah, but didn't you see the bird though? Because the guy swerved because of the bird and then the dog. And you'll be like, no, I didn't see that. I saw because the lady looked to the right and dropped the leash. You know what I mean? Like, why am I saying that though? Well, I listening. I understand listening and what you listen to is about being what you're sensitive to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what yeah, grabs exactly. you as much. And that's why I can't be in the same room as a, if the television is on, I can't hear the person next to me because it's edited to be more engaging and so I'm gone. Really? Because I'm too sensitive. Yeah. I know, I know. But also what that means is that when I'm directing or when I'm the role of the choreographer and I'm mostly what I'm doing is managing the room, then I also can't not eavesdrop on every conversation that's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. 100%. And so that uh, becomes a skill in that situation and a liability in other situations. Is it a liability? Yeah, if I'm in a pub and I'm trying to listen to what you're telling <laughs> me and, and the TV's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I, th- I meant eavesdropping. Is eavesdropping ever a liability? I, I feel like know. it's just kind of garnering information. Yeah. I even when my granddad was like in hospital not so long before he died, and a nurse is just attending something like way over the other side of the room, he like cranes himself up so that he can just check out what she's doing. <laughs> oh, wow. Just wants to be in, I don't know. It's like, wants to be involved. If there's something going on and it's stimulating you, then it's affecting you. Yeah. And then I wonder how you curate your life so that the right things are coming in and it's not this, like, constant breaking down of who you are as a person. So maybe one of the best skills I've been taught being an actor is to shake it off. Shake it off. To, you know, when... I learned the real hard lesson straight out of drama school. I went for a role that I was like, oh, it's my role. Mm, someone wrote a thing for me. And I was like, yeah. And I had already like got the job in my head and I was eight steps ahead. And then I did not get that role. And I was devastated. Uh, it, it was catastrophic. I was like, this cannot be it every time. How are you going to survive? How are you going to, like, get out of bed when you're crying for two days about it? Mm. And so, you know, practicing that skill of going for a thing. And, yeah, look, occasionally there's... There's still those things. There's still (laughs) a couple of things over the years that you're like, oh, I've already spent the money in my head. Or, oh, I'm already famous. Look at me go. Hey, that happened to me. I saw a sign saying fresh donuts. I waited in line for 10 minutes. And then she said they were fresh cooked that morning. Oh, that is not not a thing. Maybe bread can be fresh cooked that morning. Anything deep fried needs to be fresh cooked now when I order it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's burning my hand as you give it to me. If my hand isn't in the fryer with the yeah, donut, yeah, yeah, it's not fresh. Yeah. It's just such a disappointment. That's upsetting. I mean, I hope that you sent a strongly worded email because that is, that's not a thing. But right. yeah, being able to be like, 
that was not a fresh cooked donut. Fine, don't worry about it. I'll get a fresh cooked donut another day. Yeah, every other day. Is <laughs> I will be there in the morning next time. You know, honestly though, it's a thing. So being, are you I, gonna? Yeah, are, is it? Are you gonna? And, and, wait, and, and, I, but wait, no, <laughs> go go go. <laughs> Does it matter to you when you say... I'm hearing you say actor a lot. Yeah. Does actress... No, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Is uh, is there... No, it's the same. It's not differentiated. Okay. I think, you know, it seemed like there was this push to say only actors, only actors, and it was all very not politically correct, but I don't think that's a thing. Mm. I think it's fine. Actress. I just... I don't know why I say actor. I just do. Oh, I don't know either. I... I'm, yes. I just wondered about that there must be as many pushbacks against uh, long-standing social and cultural trends. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then terminology is a huge part of chipping away at that. And then I wondered where where that sits. Like, I wasn't even aware that there was a push saying actor should be a non-gendered word or I I I feel like it's in the same realm of um, flight attendant and air hostess yes you know they're both kind of there but it's really not like the world's biggest offence if you say yeah um, the air hostess instead of the flight attendant yeah because you know who cares? Yeah. But that's me also. I'm not uber political. I have political views on things, some strongly, but I really don't like being in the belly of political correctness and I find it overwhelming. Yeah, and somehow... And not in a good way, yes. It's like that coin that spins and spins until it spins down and it's faster and faster and louder and then it just stops because it can't generate its own momentum. It just eats itself. And there's a lot of uber-political correctness in the arts, but Mm. I find it bogs me down. It doesn't help me keep going. Because, look, hey, actor of colour and female... Mm-hmm. Is already, I'm on the political spectrum, mate. By I'm, showing up. But if I'm there, it's already <laughs> political. Because they're like, oh, what does that mean? Wow, oh. what a privilege you're carrying with you. Oh, yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> or it's just my life, so it's not really that anything. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. You know, people always say to me, oh, what background do you use? Like, oh, half Croatian, half Nigerian. Oh my God, that's so exotic. Is it? Oh, it's just normal for me. Mm. It's literally my norm. It's someone else's exotic ideal. It's like, ah. So, you know, I kind of feel like that's everywhere for everybody. Someone's norm is someone else's exotic ideal. Do you... um, So, what's your type? My type? Yeah. Of... Of... Hmm... They're attractive. Oh, <laughs> What's oh your of honey? Visual? If we're talking about aesthetics, mm. of exotic ideals and aesthetics. <laughs> My, oh. That is a really hard question. I think hot is hot. 
So it's true, it's true. But there's some, there's something about the way that somebody holds themselves and moves makes makes all the difference. Okay, I've got it. I've got, I've got it. it. Okay, got good. It. Okay. Mostly I just talk until the person yes. <laughs> works out the thinking time. Can you next time I'd like some music? Okay, so I love a confident human. I do. I love someone who's Okay, this is just going to yeah. sound real that narcissistic. That doesn't need to be um, outspoken or extroverted. No, it just no. means someone who's no, no, no. with embodied. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying they have to be loud, they yeah. have to be any of those things. No, mm. I like someone who has a confidence in whatever they've got going on. Because mm. that is like, oh, you, you know a thing, and I don't like that. I want to know what I you know. I want to know what you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Tell me your secrets. Someone, I think someone who owns whatever their thing is. Mm. So... <laughs> For example, I met a dude at the shop the other day, uh, and like not like a really, you know, middle of the road clothes shop, fast fashion something, like a cotton on, mm. like a, not a fancy thing. Anyway, guy in there, and I would usually expect they had some sort of two t-shirts for twenty bucks at the front. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, t-shirt, great, I need that, great. So I went. And the guy there, he was very handsome, like stereotypically handsome, kind of tanned, kind of tall, dark hair, you know, nice eyes, I don't know, whatever, you know, that thing. Um, and I said, oh, hey, I think I was asking about ripped jeans. Personally, I don't think I can get away with a ripped jean. I feel like I'm past the age of being able to wear a ripped jean. People are like, lady, put your hammy thighs back in your pants. Just wear a pant. Uh-huh. You'd, you'd- it's not just about temperature for you? It's definitely about temperature because now I'm old yeah. and I'm cold all the damn time. I'm like tucking my trackies into my socks. <laughs> That's the level of You're cold that I'm... You're my favourite. It's so good. Yes. Yes. I don't know. People look cute. They look cute. But I'm like, you. I'm cold for you. Mm. I'm cold for you. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You don't look cute anymore. I'm cold. But then so. when we go back to exotic ideals... I see that some people can pull off the socks and thongs and the trackies tucked into their socks and shit when I'm around Chinatown. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a way that... And, like, old old Greek man can pull it off. 100%. But, like, I don't know if I can yet, but I feel I have to keep working at it. But you know what? Then what the other thing that outweighs it is your comfort. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I can't pull this off, but I'm doing it anyway because, God damn. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. But I was asking about the routine. I was like, I like how they look. I think they look really cool. But I just feel like, on me, I look silly. Uh-huh. So I was like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is true ripped? And he was like, he looked at me and he's like, no, it's, it's not even ripped. We've had way more ripped. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But, you know, the way more ripped pants at the moment, I just think, why aren't they shorts? Because they're so ripped, the bottom half of that is doing nothing. And he was like... He's like, you'd be fine in those. I mean, you're still pretty young. I said, I'm not as young as you think. People think I'm mid-20s. Is that an enthusiasm or a skin tone or a, does that play into I it? I think it's because black don't crack is what that is. That's exactly what it is. So, I haven't heard that before. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah right. black don't crack. 
Because I, oh, yeah. I grew up in Darwin, so heaps of different skin tones going on. And you see, you see the whiteys just age mm. in the sun exposure that they're not <laughs> genetically disposed for. <laughs> and all the black people just get younger. I'm like, oh, I'm really, oh, the sun is so good. I'm feeling so good. I feel younger. Oh, you look younger. How do you look younger? Oh, that's me. Oh, take me to the tropics. I love okay. it. All right. Love it. Ripped jeans. Oh, yeah, ripped so jeans. So ripped, they're basically mud flaps. Right. Yeah. The mud flap pant. I'm like, yeah, but that's not a thing. I don't want that. But, okay. you know, he's like, well, I'm, how old are you then? And I said, oh, look, more than you think. And he's like, yeah, 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 34, great. He's like, oh, I'm older than you. And I wear them all the time. Full stop. And I was like, huh. Oh, well, he said it's okay, so it must be okay. When he said that with such authority, and so like, well, this is just what it is. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Well, that, that's what it is then. I was like, you are attractive. It's true. We had a doctor come, and I mean, I say a doctor, but, you know, Professor Jenny Hoy, who is head of... Uh, HIV research at the Alfred. She's, you know, she's not just a doctor. She up there. Came and spoke with us in a development that I just did for a show. And talking about HIV and stigma and information, actual just fact about how to transmit, da-da-da-da-da, infectious diseases, luck. And uh, I'd been asking people I know about, you know, their knowledge of HIV and how the, um, how it's transmitted. And it was like, oh, you know, a lot of people can think it's still transmitted through saliva. And, and I was like, you know, could you essentially drink a bucket of someone else's saliva and get and contract HIV that way? And she just went, huh, no. I was like, okay, and that's that answer. So moving on. You know, like not even a, sometimes when someone's really emphatic about something, like, no, it's not, a, you know, you can't do that. It's not really a thing. It's like, God, I wish people would just... When there's no confidence around it, you're like, yeah, but maybe those, I probably don't believe you. But when someone's just like, oh, no, this thing, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. You you know things, and I like that. When do you get to do that? When do I get to do that? Oh, I don't know. I think I do that in everything, but I don't know if people believe me. That's just different. I don't know. Maybe with design things. Mm. On my particular aesthetic. Yeah, how does aesthetic... So... <clears throat> how do you become sensitive to build your own opinions about the aesthetics that should be useful and functional in this considered situation to communicate and present and share? And then... How do you also stay open to doing shit that you don't agree with on stage when the aesthetic is all out of whack? Because I find that when I'm pulled on to a project, say, to be a movement coach, mostly what I'm doing is getting jarred by a decision that's been made and then just tweaking it. Because I, I don't need anybody to know that I've been there, the audience least of all. But what I don't want them to do is be jarred out of the experience they're having because something like super unnatural has just happened like exorcist style neck turning the wrong way mm. kind of mm. someone telling you they love you as they're facing their apple or, yeah. <laughs> do you can't tell um 
I think it's about, oh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's about being malleable. But I wonder where they meet. Where does, like, how do you bring your aesthetic opinion and sensitivity now into reading a script and then performing it for people and mm-hmm. meeting with other people? And mm-hmm. how does a mannerism, just choices about mannerism and physicality and sensitivity and understanding of aesthetic and how do they... How do they join? How do they feed each other, I'm yeah. Sure. Oh. Maybe they don't. I'm sure they do, but I think if I'm in a show, I also know that it's not my job to yeah, 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 yeah. keep an eye on that. Yeah. My job is one thing, and the overarching aesthetic is someone else's. Yeah. And I can't do both jobs because, I mean, why would I? Just be good at my thing. It's, that's hard enough. Just yeah. do that thing. Um, let's say I was the person that had to do that, to have to keep the eye out. I don't, I'm not a director, so I don't really have to do that, though. Mm. Um, Maybe it just comes down to the people watching. Like for my own choices? Oh, yeah. I don't... You know what? I think, honestly, when I'm in projects, I really hand a lot over, like, if my director or uh, designer says, oh, this is the thing we're going to do, you have to trust them. You just have to trust them. Yeah. And then they have to trust you as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it's I guess it's a two-way street. Like, if your, your designer comes up and says, oh, we want to put you in this thing, you've got to tell them why or why not. That's a good idea. Mm. If, if it impedes something like, I'm not going to be comfortable in being able to do my portion of the job. Like, I can't do a thing because I'm going to be conscious that my butt's hanging out or whatever, you know, then I've got to say... Uh, I think it needs to be longer. Or if if I can't I can't kick my leg up by my ear because it's too tight, you know. Do you have to do that often these sometimes. days? Yeah, oh. yeah sometimes. <laughs> Love me a high kick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I tend to throw myself at things a bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's my favourite way to dance is to train the technique whereby your body has the instinct to catch itself well. Oh yeah. That's and cool. then just propel yourself through space. And then let it, let it, its intelligence. The show that I just over. finished, the one where I busted my knee. Oh, yeah. In rehearsals, in the start, I think the directors were like, can you thro- stop throwing yourself, like literally throwing yourself into the props? Because <laughs> we need you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the irony was I was standing still when I hurt my leg. But um, That's the real danger in life, stillness. Mate, I no. no Inactivity. Inactivity. Stillness is fine. Inactivity. Still, yeah, stillness is, is quite um. Silly. Hmm. I did a TEDx talk like ten years ago, that was ended with that idea that it's our times of inactivity that cause us the most detriment. Hundred percent agree with that. Hundred percent. Sometimes it's not even about knowing what you're doing. It's just making a choice. And then you choose later whether that's right or not. And you go, ah, well, that wasn't great. Let's try this instead. Mm. If you sit still, nothing happens. If you, when you're completely yeah. like... No bad things as well. Like Not necessarily. No colonialism happens if people could just chill. <laughs> just chill in your cold country. 
But yeah. then also I would probably have been still born over there in some shitty cold place. And then what? Ah, well, I suppose I you'd would... be finding Melbourne easier now, hey? Your constant search for somewhere to warm, to practice art would yeah, not be true. a thing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. See? Colonialism, hey? Ruined it for everybody. That's what's happened there. You know what I like? I like being funny. Yes. I wish I was more funny. How, how are you going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> Why do you want to be more funny? Because it's really fun when you laugh with someone. Yes. You reckon? Yes. You know when you're like in fit... I had a dinner with my girlfriends um, a week ago from high school. Who I haven't seen in ages. We live all over the world now. And Were they impressed with your 30-foot poster? Oh, they didn't care about that at all. They couldn't care less. I don't know. I don't think I told them about it, actually. They didn't come to your house with the stairway and the... You know, <clears throat> the plantation shutters are all being rehung at the moment, so <laughs> I didn't have anyone over. The blinds from Venice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually got some of the original shingles from the Gone with the Wind house. I've imported them over. Um, so we're just getting them touched up at the moment. And okay, okay. Yeah, when so they're ready, just, I think. You just had to meet in Chinatown or something We did. Instead. We just met it. You know, off Chapel Street, it's nearly as good. Yeah. Uh, but we were the most raucous table in the whole place. Like this French bistro, it was nice, it was busy, and we did not give a shit. We were just like laughing away, and people were looking over, and they wanted to be laughing with us. And I was like, come and laugh with us. You gotta need a, you need a long table. It was the longer best. Table. We made friends with all the waiters, they were laughing. Great. You know, that's the most fun thing. Mm. I don't know how that sentence ends. That's the end. Remember, you need to show the confidence, so you need to have a full stop. <laughs> it was the most fun thing. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, can you remember any epiphanies? Mm. It's one of my favourite things to do that I think I'm a little bit chemically addicted to is that moment where I realise something and then my brain goes... Oh, epiphanies. Yikes. Um, let's come back to it. Okay, let's come back. Epiphanies. What would you have told your 20-year-old self? Oh. Don't be scared. Be less scared. Do you think when you're... F- 40 or 50 you will have told your 30 year old self also not to be scared and no but i'm sure i will have told myself enough no yeah maybe because there's still things i'm scared of that i'm like why don't you just do that and be like oh i don't know i don't want to do the thing what are those things Uh, no i mean broadly broadly you can be general Uh, okay so people often ask oh do you want to go to america and do like the whole hollywood thing Mm. and i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, sure. Like, do I would I would I be a Hollywood actor? Yeah, of course. That's how you make money. There's no, you're literally not going to make large amounts of money anywhere else mm. being an actor. Sure, but do I want to do and go into the grind mm. and that whole terrifying being another little fish, big pond, awful. Oh, I don't know. That seems very scary. Mm. I don't know that I want to do that. I mean, I do, but I'm scared. That's one. But maybe you don't. Also, maybe you don't want to grind. 
I don't want to grind. I just want someone to be like, you would make a great assassin in <laughs> our next humongous but Hollywood budget Humorous film. assassin. You're a very funny assassin <laughs> and you're very beautiful. Ah, yes, of course. And you are... And here's some blue contact lenses. Yeah, I don't want those, though. You know what? Did you see the trailer for Neon Bond, maybe it was called? Charlize Theron being an, essentially like a badass assassin. Not yet. Why is she blonde? Why does she have to be blonde? Why can't it be anybody else? You know? I think because it... Um is a nod towards a, like, cold exterior, a dehumanising. I didn't come to this the other day. This is a new show I'm in. Great. Yeah. Are you on the poster for that as well? Well, it's currently a banana, so no. But there's a poster with a girl having that banana in her mouth. Was that you? Is there a poster with a girl having a banana in her mouth? She's taking a bite, yeah. That's not me. I don't think it's me. I think it would be... I don't know who it is. It's not me. That's not me. Who is this? Cat Davies. That's funny. Yeah. Shh. It's not me. That is not me. What do you mean, is that me? What do you got to say for yourself now? She's not blonde. No, she's not blonde. That's because the lead in this is Asian-Australian. It's very good. It's going to be very good. It's going to be very fun. a good show. It will be. I don't know about epiphanies. Don't worry about them. They're not important. I don't think I've realised a thing. Yes, no, wait. I do have one epiphany. That splitting up with people that you love may not be your choice. That never occurred to me. Mm. Isn't that silly? It's fucked up. Never occurred to me. I don't mean just romantic ones, like, mm. you know, friends that you've loved to death and that they don't want to be your friend anymore for whatever reason. Yeah, that's pretty hectic. Mm. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I've really punched me in the face in the last 10 years. Yeah. Do you have a why? You do I lie? Why? Why? Do I why? Do I act? Oh no, I know. You know I why? Know. Yeah, I know why. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> about to be dropped right here. Nah. Um, I know why because I tried to do everything else more sensible. I think for ten years before I committed to just having a go of making this work and I was miserable and I do this because I can't not oh yeah I know why that's why and it's so effing hard 
to make this your job and it is way better than everything else I did. I mean, you know, I get tired by it too, don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's way better than everything else. You know, when you can spend 10 hours in a dark theatre all day, every day, and not be like, oh, why is this my life? And leave and be like, oh, my job is cool. You are on the right track mm. when you can spend, you know, eight hours in any office or at a shop or whatever else it is teaching or whatever else and be like mind crushingly exhausted and I think that's me that's why and and I have a really strong view that entertainment it is not medicine it is not science it is not furthering the world in ways that really need to be furthered but it has a place it helps people unwind it helps them recuperate so that they can do the thing that they are meant to do because everyone needs that downtime everybody I do have another epiphany I learnt that there's certain types of work that I can't do for long periods that I just can't do them. They are too draining. Um, and the work that I do want to do is fun and light. And, you know, there's some bad stigma that goes along with that. It's not art. It's not smart. It's not um, giving to the world in any useful way that it's like, you know, like Friends as a sitcom. But I want to do that because that means I get to laugh every day at my job and make heaps of other people feel okay. Because I also know the, the part in when you do have a hectic job or a hectic role or whatever it is you do in your life that is, you know, stacks up your little exhaustion blocks. You've got to de-roll at the end of the day so you don't fall into a heap. Mm. You need things like friends to be able to do that. Mm. I learned that doing some hard projects and needing to go home and be like, I need something that means I won't have nightmares all night. Mm. And so you watch some friends before you go to bed and you're like, uh. And I found that I think that's what I want to do for the next little while is stuff that is light and fun. Doesn't mean it's not educational, topical, mm. but that was, that was a moment. And being okay with it. And being okay with it. That's my other epiphany. Full stop. It's really nice. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a stigma. You know, say, oh, you're an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like, I could do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could you? It's hard to not feel like you're a... Uh, Furthering the world. But there, but there are. <clears throat> there's a training, and a skill, and an experience, and a craft that is applied towards synthesizing experiences that happen in the world, 
and then other people view what you have synthesized into an experience by you performing it back to them and then they know what it is and then they know how to feel about it but if you didn't do that work everybody would have to do that work for themselves and they're just not going to mm. <laughs> yeah yeah because mostly they don't have the time but if they even had the time it would take years to reach a literacy with the physical and mental self with social and community construct like to get to the point where you could break things apart enough to bring them back together as a form of understanding so i still feel that there is work being done on behalf of mm. Oh yes, I mean, I mean, I agree with you. It's just one of those things you feel it's like not feeling smart enough. Doesn't mean you're not. It just means you compare it to something else. I don't think it's it's not that I don't have a valid job with a lot of valid um validation. <laughs> yeah, you know, like valid skills that it contributes for a much greater good. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I don't feel dumb because I came from the sort of family that uh, identify, whether they know it or not, identify as working class and so feel like if they can send their kid to university, they've broken the cycle and yeah, then yeah. their kid is more educated than them and so it, it was never a factor that my university degree is in dance it was actually just that because you're not well this is the weird thing because the university degree is supposed to stop you putting your body on the line through physical labor <laughs> <laughs> oh the irony yeah um so even my dad sometimes finishes finishes a story by saying that he's just a dumb truck driver. Oh. Which is not true. Like, it doesn't encompass all the things that he does. But it, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing to carry that I think a lot of people carry. Probably. Oh, yeah, I don't think I'm unique in it at all. Or people carry it who... People don't carry it who should. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Definitely. Yeah. But it's... It is really not... I did not know what I wanted to do for about 10 years. When I finished high school, I was a lost little puppy. And it is really nice to be like, I know what I want to do with my life now. Yeah. And twice over. You know, now I've also studied some design. I'm doubly blessed. Because that feeling of what do I do with my life, that's a hard one. Yeah. That's it's a probably real a really recent one. conundrum as well because not so many generations ago you just would do what your parents did or, or whoever had recently died in the village, you would do their job. Do, yeah. Oh, the blacksmith's out. I'm a blacksmith now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Is it because I'm black that I'm a black? Only if your last name's Smith. Ah. No. No. I'm not a blacksmith. <laughs> it's not me. I do like horses. I do like horses. Can you ride a horse? I can. Wow. I've been riding since I was eight. 
So that's like on the skill, on the CV skill. There's yeah. like your headshot and then there's... Kenneth Ridington. That's me. Ken Ride. Yeah, yeah. I love a good horse What ride. other skills are on your list? More. Like humorous? Very funny. Uh-huh. Enthusiastic. Um, very enthusiastic. Tissue? Hoops? Nah, nah. Fire yeah, hoop. Dwelling. You know what? I haven't done any circus in so long, so I'd probably cross those all out. Uh, okay. Even my acrobatic skills are not a thing anymore. Mm. Um, I can still move. Still move. The stats still on there. You know what I really want to do? I don't know. Oh, well, I will tell you. Oh, good. For free? Let me tell you something. <laughs> for free. Yeah. I'm not going to charge you like the... the a jumpstart guy. Well, I guess often you do charge people to tell people stuff. Like, yes, that's true. That's true. That's what I, I do. Amazing. I do <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay, I really want to do more like dance theatre stuff. Mm. So in, well, I mean, Trapper was very physical, although unfortunately at the end I couldn't do any of it because of my knee. Mm. So I changed it all. But that was that was a really fun rehearsal project. And then even in a way we had... I'd like some dance sequences. These are just the shows I've done this year. Um, and Steph Lake, who's a really lovely choreographer, very gentle. Um, I was like, oh, I've missed this. I've missed, like, dancing. I miss dancing. It's nice. I need to do that more. And the... Have you seen The Complexity of Belonging? No, the, I haven't seen it. It's a great show. Yeah. I think it's, it's Chunky and MTC together. Be, yeah. I think so. It's currently in overseas, mm. touring there. It was such a beautiful show. It was like great text from dancers, like big monologues, and there was great movement from actors. It was, I was like, I want to do that thing. I think that's what I want to do next. I'm going to call my agent. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? For everybody at home, the, the muscles around the mouth slightly <laughs> tighten as, as memories are recalled. Um, you know, I really like that you said what the format of this is. You're going to ask me what I'm into. Yeah. It's like a really long list now, and that's so great. Mm. It's not just about... Oh, what's your job? Or what are you working on? Or what do you do? It doesn't define you. It's like, what are you into? That's really great. That's what lights you up. Yeah. I'm into watching people light up. I don't know. I think we, I think we covered some things. Yeah. What are you into? For everyone listening at home, the uh, the muscles around the eyes are twitching. <laughs> the mouth because is near the eyes of you. I'm trying to be concise. I'm into what is the thing that I'm doing doing to me? Oh. What is the thing that you're doing doing to you? The learning. What is the thing that my brother is doing with his day, with his life, with his body? What is that doing to him, to the people around him? to the way that he interacts and engages. I, I think I'm into that. And I, I don't need to make dance until I'm compelled to do it. But if I need to make dance because there's a deadline coming up, then I have to take responsibility for what will compel me 
to make it and so I then put all of those things into the room it's the costume or it's the temperature or it's the song yeah yeah and then the compulsion comes and then all of the sense is made and then I know what I'm working with but mostly it's like taking responsibility for the curiosity that drives an appreciation of other people and of the world and of living because if there's nothing else if you if you can't appreciate then it's a little bit selfish or something yeah well that's nice and but it's it's not accidental either like it's a it's it's a concerted effort towards practicing appreciation and but that's already too many steps along first you need to be curious about something and then to be curious you have to have something that you are humble enough to realize that you're confused by so mostly that is that a thing that you feel like you have to be humble I think about being confused I think if you think you know it's there's less space for you to realize that there's more to know mm, yeah 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 for sure and the more to know is when you need to bring other people into your life yeah. People are good. Yeah. They can be good, but it's also about curating the environment and context for them to give you what they can give you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Another epiphany. That Did I say this already? That extrovert and introvert isn't just the same and one is quiet and one is not mm. that that really means there are different ways of needing to be in the world how did I not know that um, I think that there will be shit that you learn next year and you'll think how, how did, did I, I not, not know that <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope. Yeah. Because imagine if this was it. If what you know oh, now, that that's sad. all you know. That would be so yeah. sad. It would be a shame. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. For sure. Yeah. These are my epiphanies. My epiphanies seem really basic. They're not like, and this is how I open my third eye. They're like, oh, no, people are different. Oh, yeah. How did it not work that out earlier? But things only need to be complex if, they're, if you're trying to keep them from people. Like, there's a lot of work required to make something simple enough so that it can be useful to others. That's the hardest, to yeah. make something simple. Yeah. The hardest. The, as the designer, i tell you that for free. For free. The hardest is the simple ones. Oh, yeah. And the actor can tell you that, too. You know, when someone's like... I think when people go, oh, I could be an actor, it's because it looks simple. It looks really simple to be a good actor. They're like, oh, yeah, I could do that because it doesn't look like it's that hard to do. But the skill is making that really hard thing simple. Yeah. Well, the way I approach it with all the different types of dancing, there's some dancing that looks really hard to do and some dancing that doesn't look hard to do. But I think what the dancing that I'm interested in is busy with is what... If I do this and do it this way, what does that generate? Mm. And that's actually what is important and what we're all here for, for this thing that has been generated by these very benign, banal, 
daily things. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think, I think, I think, full stop, said with confidence. (laughs) And therefore, it is. It is. (laughs) Um. No, I think, I was going to say, I think, I think we covered heaps of the stuff that I'm really into. Right. In no particular order. It was really nice to talk about the stuff you really like. It kind of doesn't happen all in one hit. Oh, yeah? It doesn't. Mm. It's like it's, everything's really compartmentalised because it's not like, oh, what's your job? Oh, you like your job. Or what's your hobby? You like your hobby. It's like, what, what do you like about people or that thing? You don't really talk about that stuff in one go. You kind of really just talk about individual sections. This was a whole lot of nice chats. Ah, oh, yeah. You want to do a sign-off? Yeah. Okay. How? Um, well, you, uh, and thank you for listening to Wombat Radio. We will be back next time for more things that you all love. Stay happy, people. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks, man. <laughs>